Hello, and welcome to True Horrors with Meg and Rachel. Every week, we discuss a horror film and the true stories that inspired, influenced, or bear striking resemblance to them. Be warned for spoilers and adult themes. I'm Rachel. And I'm Meg. And this is True Horrors. What if I just started screaming? What if that's how I started this episode? Just screaming? Like, I love that so much. I mean, I just feel like it would be it. really upsetting to our viewers if like, <laughs> or our listeners, if like they turn it on and it's like, this is true horrors. Ah! You know, it's funny that you say that because, you know, my favorite podcast that isn't ours is Behind the Bastards. And he does sometimes open by just screaming. And I think it's the funniest thing in the world. Like he always opens in a really messy way, but the screaming is always my favorite. Something I say, which Rachel's heard a lot when I'm at the end of my rope is that I'm going to scream like a pelican. Mm-hmm. And anyone who knows me out there is listening knows that that sort of display of frustration is not something that's in my character, <laughs> which is why it's funny that I'm just like, I'm going to scream like a pelican. And I said that at work and the administrative assistant was dying. She thought it was so funny. She was like, it's just the visual. And I'm like, that's why I say it because it's the visual of how pelicans, like everyone knows what I'm saying when I say I'm going to scream like a pelican. Mm -hmm. Um, never, it hasn't happened yet, but we're all waiting. We're all (laughs) waiting with bated breath. Um, I feel it's important to tell you guys that this final episode had a rain delay. Like we're a baseball, I was going to say a baseball (laughs) game in the nineties, but I forget that other baseball teams don't have roofs. Like, so they still have rain delays. Um, but yeah, I went to get my hair done and I got trapped on the other side of town because right now it's, it's a flash flood here in Chicago um, it's the end of June. So if you're thinking back when you're listening to this, like, oh yeah, it rained a lot. If you're in the Midwest, it's been raining a lot. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a car. I do lift and no one would pick me up. So I got done with my hair at noon and it took me two hours to get home. Cause it was also raining so hard. I was trying to like, I also just want to give everyone the visual. I wore, um, like one of those shower caps because my hairdresser gave it to me to, um, use when I use this like special conditioner to keep my hair purple, um, that she recommended. And I was like, I just dyed this. I just paid to dye this. And it's Mm -hmm. gonna, it's gonna run when it gets wet and it's gonna run like not a ton, but anyone who's dyed their hair knows it does the first time. Like if you dyed a natural color Mm -hmm. and, um, I was like, that's not happening. So I put it in a ponytail and I put my shower cap on and I have no regrets at all. I never did tell you, your hair does look very nice. It's a different purple than it was the first time. Um, yes, she did undertones of like a jam so that it will, it will cause she said that you, you never know how it's gonna fade and it didn't fade bad, it was blue. Mm-hmm. But because I was gonna have it for another four weeks than I did this time, there's a chance that blue would turn green. Gotcha. And so giving it a jam undertone and I'm gonna get that good conditioner, like, cause I have dark hair, it can't ever be too purple. Like my hair just won't accept it the way someone who's blonde would. So I'm getting this really good conditioner for it. But yeah, I just was like, absolutely not. Anyone who's ever paid to get their hair dyed knows that like, I was not about to have it be ruined. Like the first step I stepped out, like not that it is ruined, but you know, I also wasn't gonna have dye all over my clothes. So anyway, this was rain delayed because of me, because of the rain, because the flood, the streets of Chicago were flooded. Like (laughs) I sent Rachel a picture and I was like, Mm, 
it's kind of. And then I stepped outside and looked at the side streets and they were completely flooded. Like the amount of times I got to a street and then had to backtrack because like I was genuinely considering walking through the floodwaters. And then I was just like, don't do that. Don't do it. Yes. um, It's in the past now. It was, it was in the past now, but I felt like giving a little bit of personal, you know, when Rachel and I first started this podcast, we had debates about like how much we just like shoot the shit in the beginning and get right down into business. And I was very much the pro business category, which is the only (laughs) time you'd ever say that about me. And it's a little political joke there for for And that's it. Scene. No more podcast. But um, I do try. You know, I want to balance that out. Add add a little bit of of fun stuff for you guys. A little bit of that that behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But this finale is a little different than our first one. We bit off a little bit more than we could (laughs) chew. It was also before we had um, the very wonderful Matt sitting in on these podcasts. And I was trying in my new apartment to find a place with the acoustics. We're good. So I sat in my closet with my computer on like a chair for the 17 hours. Rachel and I did that podcast. And there were points where we were saying we were like, this has gone on too long, but we're not even close to being done. Like we could feel the energy. Like it was just like it was a bad scene. And I was just like in my closet just like moved two chairs, folding chairs in there. It was um, it was a lot you got a phone call in the middle of it. Like it was like a, it was like legitimately four hours because you did, you got a phone call. I think it was like your sister or something. And she was like, why are you sitting in a closet? This and is I where was I live there now. for the whole thing. Yeah. And I just like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not disconnecting zoom and ending this recording. <laughs> so we're just gonna have to cut Katie out. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, why are you, why are you sitting in that closet? And I was just like, you know, I don't have time for this right now. <laughs> I I can't even explain the backstory right now. But so for this one, we did one movie and one normal movie as opposed to yes. doing a mini series and a two part movie all in one because we were just really we were just really excited and really eager. And like, yeah. I've never listened like I barely listened when we did our edit through because I was just like, at certain points in it, I was just like, I know it's only the middle of the day, but you both should go to bed. Like, <laughs> just go to bed and try again tomorrow because this is a mess. I listened to it a couple of times and I, I don't think it was that bad. It was, it was okay. Because the cut version was. No, I were, know. <laughs> the other version, it was like, we used to joke about doing like, when the first podcast episode we did um, was like a tester of all of our equipment and it's never aired. And we used to talk about doing like the unaired episode. It was um, the black and white version of Phantom of the Opera, Rachel, mm-hmm. a Rachel pick. Um, no, I don't actually, I think it was just straight up the musical. Was it just straight up it, the musical? It was the musical. And then the story I told you was the sequel. I was like, right. I sat through this fucking sequel, Meg buckle up. <laughs> right. So it was, um, we've always talked about unaired and then like uncut footage, not that stuff though. Like there's nothing worthy of anything. And there's mostly just like us going on whatever, but mm-hmm. this is the final episode. And all of that was to say, this is going to be shorter, but I do feel a little bit more like we can vibe a little bit because the finale can be a little bit longer than right. 
the other ones. Um, but we did a classic. We did one we both really like, mm-hmm. um, which is how it ended up being picked for the finale. Um, the, f- the final ones are really ones where we both have something we want to talk about with them. And they're ones that we, for whatever reason, both put them on our list. And then we're like, oh, well, then we'll just do that as a as a finale. Um, my obligatory shout out to my uncle, who, when I asked for this movie, um, got me the entire box set with every <laughs> everyone, which is a very nice thing to do. But they're all terrible, except the first one. And Rachel and I watched them all when we were roommates. Mm-hmm. Start to finish every one of them. As far as the big franchises, this one, the quality drop is instantaneous. It is. It's immediate. I do really like the meta one, though. Yeah, that um, one's really good. Um, also, you still haven't said what the movie is. This has been a lot of build up to what the movie is. I didn't say A Nightmare on Elm Street yet. No, I haven't said didn't. those words yet. <laughs> what if I just never said that? What if I just I really kind of wanted to go how on long and on go. to see how long it would take. But <laughs> it's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, that's what we did for the finale. Um, sometimes I accidentally say, like, I feel like whether or not I start the sentence off with the nightmare or a nightmare depends on whether my brain says before Christmas or on Elm Street. So, and I didn't even watch that movie as a kid. I just like, it's just like my brain's just like before Christmas. Yep. It's just like, um, auto fills. Um, I do really love this is Halloween though, because that's how I feel about Halloween. So mm-hmm. I do sing that basically starting October 1st mm-hmm. until November. This is Halloween. And I do it like that. So A Nightmare on Elm Street, the OG, Wes Craven. We're big Wes Craven fans. At least mm-hmm. I am. I love Scream. Right. I feel like just starting from the beginning, because I don't think this is one where there's a lot of like overarching thoughts. No. Like... Because it's not controversial in any real way. No. Okay. Most iconic weapon? Definitely. Definitely, right? Like when he's Mm -hmm. building it in the beginning. First of all, he's already a sick motherfucker. But Mm -hmm. then the fact that that he's like, I can't even use a normal knife. Like, because there's something that's also really grotesque about the fact that it's sort of like touching you. Mm -hmm. Like, like that's the thing is it's like, it's weird. And they don't say that anything he did was um sexual they just say he was a child murderer which is bad enough right but like the fact that then his weapon is like sort of a hand i'm Mm -hmm. like i don't like any of that i did appreciate the craftsmanship though he definitely crafted those out of love do you think he had a dream about them do you think it's like a dream (laughs) with like he saw them in a dream and then was like all right (laughs) um this movie is so the 80s. I just wrote, oh, the 80s. Yeah, for real. Can we talk about the acting in this movie and just the decisions? Because I love this movie, but the <laughs> acting in it is, you can't even really blame the 80s. Like, I'm like, no. was it supposed to be really campy? Because, like, Nancy's pretty over the top. And yes. so was, like, she just is. And, like, it doesn't ruin it for me, but I'm sort of, like, there were some real choices made with her character and the way that she delivers her lines mm-hmm. that have to be decisions. Like at some point someone could have been like, no, but they played it that way. And it just doesn't feel as grounded in reality as like, um, oh my God, I cannot think of her name, but the actress from Halloween. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis feels very much like a person you would meet on the street. 
Do you think it's because it's a it's a story about someone who kills you in your dreams? They were like, we don't need it to be grounded in reality because it's very much not. I mentioned in my notes that the fact that he killed you in your dreams allows this movie to do things that would be really unscary, but they're mm-hmm. scary because they're saying it's the dream world. So right. it's what it's happens like, yes. And I so think. they're able to do that. So I don't know. Um, like it when was- he jumped out from behind that tree, that tiny ass tree, like a, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, <laughs> like. Or when his arms were just really long. I just have to yes. say, Freddy Krueger is having more fun than any other murderer. <laughs> he's doing what he loves. Sure. He's living his bliss. He's <laughs> deading his bliss, whatever. But like, it's not even just that he's killing. It's that, no, I wrote this in my notes. Hold on, where is it? Because um, I knew I wasn't going to remember his name when the time comes. Michael England. Yes. Wait, is it Michael? I know it's England. Robert England? Robert England. There we go. I knew it was a generic name. If it wasn't him, it wouldn't be as good. He, no. He creates, he creates Freddy with an amount. It's like a dream in the sense that it's scary, but also when you try to describe it, you don't know why. Or it mm-hmm. doesn't sound as scary. Like Freddy doesn't sound as scary when you're talking about him and the things he does, but there's something so sinister about him. Like, um... I disagree because let's describe the things that he does. He chops off his own fingers. I think he cut his own chest open at one point. And also he's coming at you with finger knives, Meg. That's terrifying even just saying it. I guess you're right. I guess I'm thinking more of like when he's like, haha, my arms are so long and then like doesn't shrink them. Or when he like, yes. Or the way he runs. Uh Uh-huh. Like, that's like a real choice, the way he runs after them. And I'm like, oh, this is fun for him. Like, he's just like, he's just doing what he does, um, Mm -hmm. which is murder children. Yes. But yeah, I do think that the dream element really helps. And that's why, like, this has always been the thing that scared me most. We talked about this with uh, Body Snatchers. Like, I don't like things that get you when you can't really fight them. I hate, I hate it so much. And then again, the fact that it operates on dream logic because like they'll run away from him and then he just suddenly appears in front of them because it's a dream and I hate it so much. Well, I wrote this and I know this sort of gets to our middle thing, but I would 100% be dead in this movie. Any Mm -hmm. movie that being awake is something like... I'm so tired all the time, but when I am tired, like I was never an all nighter person. Mm -hmm. I have one time in my life pulled an all nighter at a party. That was it. Like, I'm just not that person. I need my sleep. And I know that about myself. Like I'd have been like, what the fuck? Like, let's just end this because like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to stay awake the way she does. Like, I just wouldn't. Like it, it just, it just wouldn't happen. I'm so sleepy talking about it makes me so sleepy. I know. Also that brings up the irony of the fact that when I was watching this movie, I was so sleepy and really, really wanted to take a nap <laughs> the whole time. And they just kept talking about being tired and that didn't help it. Like, and I did take a nap after <sighs> this movie was over. <laughs> I just yawned and don't cut that. Like let, let them hear that this is this talking about this is making me yawn. Can we talk? Let's go back to the beginning. So Tina, you know, they're here for Tina. Tina seems to be doing just fine. She's like, can you guys stay here while I have sex with my ill-advised boyfriend? Way too loud. 
Oh, I think you saying I was too loud. But yes, no. way too loud. <laughs> way too loud. Like, it's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I know they're trying to establish the idea that, like, quote unquote, like, Nancy's a good girl. Right. But, like, she oh. could have at least, like, slept on the couch while her boyfriend slept on the floor. Like, she kind of made him stay there. And she could have mm-hmm. at least, like, been in the same room. Like, they wouldn't have. He seemed very respectful. It's not like they would have but i just thought that was so like them separating i'm like they really have to go far to show you that like nancy is the heroine like because she won't even sleep in the same room as her boyfriend like i was like knock it off i was like i don't care it's a bit much also i know it's a dream but when uh tina starts like she hears her name so she follows it i'm like bitch you don't know it's a dream at that point Mm -hmm. so like why are you doing that i don't know why tina is following just because he's saying her name like stay inside why are you doing this is this the first dream she has no the the second second, because then he she she follows him out to an alley and then he's just like fucking with her and then murders her yeah like and i'm like why why did you but like he just going tina tina and i'm like and she's like who's out there and i'm like (laughs) Who the fuck cares? The creep from your first dream who slashed your nightgown. Even if it isn't a dream, why would you go out there? Like, why would you in the middle of the night, someone's calling your name? Nope, absolutely not. Um, The silliness of the dream, we talked about that. The surrealness of the dream Um, and how it, everything's a little, I think that's it with the acting. Everything's a little bit surreal and a Mm -hmm. little bit like, even the way the camera shoots, like it's a right. little bit surreal, um, which he will eventually get to a point, Wes Craven, where he's dealing in like true, um, like, I don't really know that I would consider Scream to be satire. I know people do. I think it's more like meta than anything else. It's, it's like that in an homage. And it's, yes, it's a lot of things. Honestly, it's, it's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Oh, when she pulls his face off. I'm surprised you didn't mention that in your horrifying, horrifying thing. When he she like peels his face off. Honestly, I don't even remember that. She's fighting him, Tina is, and then she reaches up and like he lets her because he knows what's going to happen. His skin's going to come off and it's going to be a more terrifying face below. Not the Red Skull. Not the Red Skull. There is so much blood all the time, but also like... Like, the amount of blood these people have. I'm like, is that really the amount of blood? Like, no. when he's got her up on the ceiling and stuff, I'm like, human bodies do not have that much blood. That's exactly what I said. No, and then especially, like, jumping the gun. I was saying it repeatedly when Johnny Depp was a bloodbath. When Johnny Depp. Because that's the which, only thing you think of, Johnny yes, Depp. Which every time he was kind of a dick throughout the whole movie, I was like, shut up, Johnny Depp. You're going to die in a bloodbath. Well, and the thing is, his real name is Glenn, which (laughs) (laughs) need we say more like it's Glenn. It is Glenn. So weird. Hope you get Um, reincarnated as someone who can stay awake for five minutes. That's another thing I said a lot. Yes. (laughs) Um, I have a comment here and it's going to go into something I wrote about a lot more, which is Mm -hmm. I think this mother is the worst mother in all of horror, the worst parent. And I am including Carrie's mom. (laughs) I think she is genuinely the worst parent in any horror movie. 
Mm-hmm. I hated her so much at every turn. I was just like, she's so terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, and we'll get to all the reasons, but the first one is when her traumatized daughter's friend's been murdered and she's like, maybe you don't think murder is serious. And I'm like, yes. shut the fuck up. No, like she clearly meant that the fights were not that serious. Like, yes. it was so clearly what she meant. Like, you were just willfully misinterpreting what she's saying. This is why your husband left you. Yes. Also, not to give him too much the father. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he was using his daughter as live bait. I know. Like, you used me. On this. For, this yeah, something for a like man that. that he is convinced is a murderer. Like, just use my daughter to lure out the lure out this murderer and then he's like what were we even doing going to school today and I'm like what was your that was your only plan what was your plan if she'd stayed inside (laughs) also I like how you're like my daughter's probably really jumpy because her best friend was murdered and there's a murder on the loose so I'm gonna have these like weird like men in black types follow her yes also I love when the lesson in class immediately goes to what you're what you're doing very 90s 80s so convenient She's a bad teacher because Shakespeare is great and she made it very boring. Yes. Agreed. Also, they didn't seem to be doing a single play. It was just Shakespeare. It was just a Shakespeare lesson. They weren't because they talk about two specific plays and like read passages from two different plays. I need to know what her lesson plan is. Her lesson plan was like one thing and then a student got murdered and she's like, well, they probably all need, you know, some kind of way to process this. So I'll just throw all Shakespeare. Yes. Can we talk about how convenient it is that Freddie can be in more dream than one a night? Like right? how that just makes him like even more ferocious. Mm-hmm. Unfair. Although he seems to only really use it that first night where he's in all their dreams at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but he Which could be. They are not nearly concerned enough about that they all dreamt about the same guy. Like, I'm sorry, if just you and I dreamt about the same guy, I I don't know what I'd do. Like, but I'd be worried. I'd immediately be like, you need to drive up here Mm because something's about to happen and it's safety in numbers. Because that's just one of those things that they ignore in horror movies that I'm like, you all had nightmares about the same person who doesn't exist. It's not like you all Mm -hmm. watched a movie and then dreamt about that guy. And it's like, oh yeah, I guess you guys, blah, 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 blah. It's an independent figure you can all describe. And it's clear the guys won't fess up, but they had the dream too. But again, it would only take me and my best friend having that dream to be like, okay, we're in it now. Yep. Also, when she goes to visit the boyfriend in jail, Mm -hmm. he still has blood on his hands. They didn't even let him like wash up, wash his girlfriend's blood off him. Gross. I was like, that's upsetting. Yeah. Like, Can you imagine if you were walking around and there was these cute little kids and they're like jump roping yeah. and you're doing a little nursery rhyme and it's about uh, and it's about Gacy <laughs> because that's the equivalent of what they're doing. Yes, like, it is. It's not. He's a real man who murdered children and they don't know that, but you as an adult do, and it's basically like they're singing about Gacy. Yeah. 
I forgot that was a real thing. I thought it was only a rhyme they heard in their dreams. And then when she was like, oh yeah, that old like nurture, that old I'm like, so you motherfuckers yeah. were saying it? They killed your peers. It's yes. not even like this was a hundred years ago. They were killing kids. Your He was killing kids your age. Mm-hmm. And then some ba- bastard was like, I'm gonna make a nursery rhyme out of this. Yes. Because it was, it was like, the reverse is also really crazy where it's like, you've got this weird jump rope rhyme about a man who's going to murder you. And then you find out it's based on a real thing like that happened in your town. Okay. And also those stay awake pills, they're speed, right? She was taking speed. That's what I wrote. I was like, ah, yes. The eighties when you could buy amphetamines over the counter. Yes. It's speed. She is not taking caffeine pills. She is taking speed. Yes. (laughs) Which I guess if I took speed, I could stay awake. No, definitely. You could. Yes. I guess that wouldn't be, you know, (laughs) no one be as much of a trial for me then. Also, this is again jumping ahead, but her secret coffee maker in her room. I wrote about that too. I wrote it. I wrote about it too. When she pulled out that mini coffee maker. I was like, me and coffee. Except no one would ever try to stop me from drinking it. But it's like, ah, uh, let's see what the mini coffee maker is brewing today. Uh, when she looks at herself and says, God, I look 20 years yes. old. I was just like, bitch. First of all, no, you don't. You look about 14 still. But also, bitch. I look 20 years old. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I also like that she says that and they didn't really put makeup on to make her look any worse. So it's even funnier. She looks exactly the same as she did in all the previous shots. Her hair's a little frizzier. Yes. And that's it. She could have been out in the rain. It's like exactly. me coming here and being like, looking at myself and thing, be like, God, I look 32 years old. <laughs> it's like, it's not that far off from your actual age. No. Also, you're going to be more mature at 20. You're going to look better at 20. Mm-hmm. Like. She does. We see her at 20 yes. in some of the sequels. That's like right. her, she just looks more mature. Like yes. your, your face is still figuring out what it's going to do with itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is where I wrote Robert that this movie wouldn't be without him. Why did I write scary? Oh, that this is like a scary thriller. Like, it's not like, like it has these thriller aspects that I really enjoy. Um, I'd fall asleep. I would definitely fall asleep. And also we need to talk about how much I hate that bathtub shot. I hate it so much. I knew you would. I was like, oh God. Like, and obviously I knew that I've seen this movie several times. I knew it was there. But like every time I see it, I'm just like, very few things make me close my legs faster than that scene. (laughs) But it's also a weirdly sexual scene. Which Uh again, they never say that he does anything. Which if he killed children, like, and you know, then that's different than she's pre- um, prepubescent. So it doesn't she's post pubescent not prepubescent there we go <laughs> that's how um so that wouldn't make as much sense um although to be perfectly honest i am totally fine with them keeping him as just a child murderer like a hundred percent with them not like making that anymore can we talk about like have you ever been to a funeral where the person giving the funerals kind of talking shit about the dead because i i have <laughs> And it's really, really uncomfortable. Like it was not, I will say this was not a Jewish funeral. Um, I never thought it was. 
But, and I won't go into any more detail than that, but it was definitely something <laughs> where I was like, the fuck is happening? And I was young and I was like, even I was like, oh, wow, like, nah. But they were, he was basically talking shit. He's like, judge ya, not, yes, ye be judged. But then he's like, but I'm going to judge. I'm yes. like, that's all you were doing. All you were doing before you said those words was being a judgmental prick. And then you're like, mm, but we really shouldn't judge. Like, you shouldn't, but I can. God says it's okay. He's Catholic. Yes. <laughs> also, again, remember in Catholicism, the priest is a direct line to God. He's allowed to do and say whatever. Oh he my wants. God, I did forget that. Never ever forget that. They're a direct line to God. I don't know. Maybe they've kind of moved away from that in more recent times, but that was a big part of I mean, this is why pre- Martin Luther broke away from the church. So I and this is um this is pre like Boston and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. coming out. So that would have been a far more like, I, I don't know if it's changed. I just know people have a very different right. um, belief system when it comes to that. <laughs> um, the denial in these parents is excruciating. Oh I know we talk about it. We've talked about it a lot this season, but she's describing the man you killed. Yes. She that's has no like, way. That's, that's why she's the worst because like, going back like the whole time she knows it's true and she just does nothing but gaslight her daughter the whole time i was gonna say people throw the word gaslight around a lot these days Mm -hmm. but this is it this movie is gaslighting because she knows she's describing a real man who did murder children Mm -hmm. and is like oh it's just a dream also does she want her daughter to die because she just keeps trying to force her to sleep Mm -hmm. and i'm like what the fuck like right? it's so messed up and then when she pulls that fucking hat out of nowhere yes. she's like i don't know where you got that hat i'm like is this is what it, is this what it's like to hate your parents because i was <laughs> raised by reasonable people who never would have like done this and so i know there are people who have like normal conversations with their parents where they're like mom dad this and it's not even about a ghost hat and they're like no because they <laughs> and i'm like I can't imagine what it would be like to be like, I literally pulled this hat out of thin air, out of my dream. Like, I don't know where you got that hat. I was unconscious and you're watching me. Where the fuck do you think I got that hat? You brought her her. in. Like, you know, she didn't have anything when she went to sleep. No. And all of this is just in big, bold letters, me being like, you know, whose hat that is. Like, you know, what's going on. And I have no sympathy because this is your Mm -hmm. daughter children are dying again and you didn't do a good fucking job of killing him the first time <laughs> like you clearly messed something up and he ended up in some weird dream realm which i know they probably explain in the later movies i don't need it explained it's no. a curse like right. it's a curse and you should be helping your daughter because like also i know rachel and i will be very much on the same page if i burned to death a man who murdered children and got off on technicality i'd sleep like a baby I know, right? I would not develop. I, I think it's implied that that's why they got divorced and why she's an alcoholic. And I'm like, right. why though? I would just sit around drinking wine being like, hey, remember when we murdered that guy who yeah. totally had it coming? You know what I wouldn't do is keep the evidence in my house though. Wouldn't do that. <laughs> yes. Definitely wouldn't do that part. I took his knives. And then I threw them to the bottom of the lake. Like You didn't even need to throw them to the bottom of the lake. No one, it looks like, was willing to investigate what happened. Yeah, Because the cops were involved. He's the sheriff. Mm -hmm. Like, it was a town police coming together 
to straight up murder this man justifiably. Mm-hmm. I do. I, and like when she's talking about it and she's like, the lawyers got rich and the judge got the judge got famous, but in the end, someone forgot to sign. Like that whole thing, I'm like, stop talking like that. Like, <laughs> stop it. Stop. But no, I'm like, you need to stop. Um, but yeah, she's saying that she's delusional. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but you know she's not. And honestly, she should have thrown that bottle of vodka in your face. Right. She no. literally says to her, there's something wrong with you. And, I'm, and I wrote, you're the worst parent in horror. Worst. Also, it's funny that you bring up the alcohol because I wrote down drinking might act like because she gets into that fight with her mom. She's like, well, then maybe I should just get really loaded. Maybe that would help. And I'm like, actually, it might because alcohol suppresses whatever like hormone it is that sends you into REM sleep. So like you could get some sleep, um, but you'd be less likely to dream. So like this is one of the rare situations where getting drunk might be the answer. That might have been the solution all the time. Well, now <laughs> there are some, um, there are drugs now you can take that can suppress REM. Like you shouldn't, but there no. are drugs you, like you don't, you're not trying to do it, but there are drugs that sometimes that's a side effect. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she had options. Oh my God, the bars on the window, psychotic. I know. And like, they had those like cute little curly things on them. And like, you can dress them up however you want. There's still bars on a window. But also- And then she locked the door from the outside. Fire and hazard. And threw away the key. That's exactly fire what hazard. I said. I wrote in all caps, fire hazard. And then the house did catch on fire and she couldn't get out. Because she wanted her daughter to die. That's the only conclusion the only I can come to this. Is- Well, the other thing is I don't really understand her logic with the bars on the window, because if you think your daughter's crazy, why do you need bars on the window? I understand destroying the lattice, but Mm -hmm. if you think you're and locking the door, but if you think your daughter's crazy, why do you need bars on the window? What are you protecting her from? And if you do believe her bars, aren't going to do shit because the attacks (laughs) in your dreams, you dumb bitch. I hate her more than Freddie. I think I hate no, her more real? than Freddie. Like, I mean, he's a crazy murderer, but at least he's upfront about it. Exactly. It's um, that Dolores Umbridge effect where it's yes. like, you're worse than Voldemort. Like, yes. He really is serving looks though with that hat. Like he's like, this is, this is my look. I have this sweater, mm-hmm. this hat. It's iconic. Also, he only went with one hand um, with the finger knives, which I think is interesting. Like he made a lot of choices, a lot of aesthetic choices. Well, I imagine the finger knives are a lot like having acrylic nails and it's like, you can't, you really lose he your needs the other hand. Yeah. He needs the other hand to grab I wrote- things. I wrote to grab children. I wrote security in quotes. And then I wrote, just fuck her seriously. And then she's just like, oh, when they go down to the basement and she tells her the worst story in history. And then is like, (laughs) you can sleep now. (laughs) Thanks, mom. Mommy, mommy killed him. But do you not hear what I'm saying? Bitch, he's appearing in our dreams. Oh my God. Like I would just be losing my mind at that point. Also, why can't she stay with her father? Why can't she call him and be like, mom is a drunk and she's lost her mind. Mm -hmm. When she, I wrote, when she pulls out the tiny coffee maker. (laughs) I wrote, this is where I wrote, if I had killed him, I wouldn't be losing any sleep, which I guess like, we don't know who else besides her parents participated. I guess the assumption is all the parents of the kids he killed which if that's so, 
then none of the others are losing any sleep over it. So maybe she mm-hmm. was always terrible because they all seem to be fairly normal, but like right. there have to be other people who were involved in this. And I would assume they were, I guess they could have been the parents of the murdered children and she participated because she was the sheriff's wife. Um, so maybe they don't know, but you have to think everyone in town knows right. that it was done intentionally. Right. Like, yeah, there's I always, no way. I always assumed that it was the parents of the kids who were murdered because I assumed it was a revenge thing. And also, like, I also had thought she was involved, that it could be prevention, because you know he's not going to stop, and you know he's going to kill more of your children. Like, he killed 20. Mm -hmm. That's so many kids to be killed and not be caught. Mm -hmm. I know it's the 80s, so they probably thought a couple of those kids went to, like, the city to get work, or, like, (laughs) ran away, or all the terrible, terrible things the police would tell parents in the 80s. But eventually, they had to, you know, figure out some of these kids were somewhere else. Like, that's the thing. I sort of want a prequel more than I wanted Right. Like, I kind of want a prequel, although it couldn't focus on them because I don't want to get involved with people I know are going to become terrible parents. But maybe some of the parents of kids who've disappeared, who they Mm -hmm. know their kid didn't run away because they're six. I do. I do love mob justice in a movie, in a movie exclusively, because in real life, it's never justice. It's nonsense. But I feel like you could have gotten Robert Engel. He would have he would play the character. He would have like if they'd been like, we're going to do a sequel instead. He'd have been game. Yeah, Um, he's down. That's the thing is that like I can't tell you the names of a lot of the other actors who play the big name horror antagonists, but I know his because Mm -hmm. he's always been very like, he's just about it in a real Mm -hmm. way. Like he knows how iconic this character is and how many people like see him that way and love it. And he's very personable about it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, whereas, and I guess you can see his face, but his face is all scars. So like, I don't really know how much that has to do with it. I just know that he's the only one who I really know of the big ones. No, I don't know the other ones. She homed alone her house. She did. She sure did. I loved that. And then I wrote, it's her useless mother passed out in the living room. And no, she put her mother to bed, which she had 20 minutes. And in 10 minutes, she, which first of all, I, I think even if I hadn't slept for a year, I don't think I'd be able to fall asleep in 20 minutes. Rachel knows I, which we're going to get to when we start doing the stories is there's gonna be a part where Rachel and I talk about our dreams and our ability to sleep. Cause I think that's interesting <laughs> to what I'm talking about, but took her 10 minutes to maybe she just was, I mean, she hadn't slept for, I think seven, seven days. days. Yeah. But she also had all that coffee and caffeine pills. So I don't know. I just, she was able to fall asleep very quickly is just what I'm saying. Um, And she would have gone straight into REM sleep for the most part, because like when you don't get enough sleep, your body kind of skips out on that, that Delta wave sleep and goes to REM sleep because it prioritizes that over, you know, like repairing your body and stuff. I will say this. It was a great plan. She's a, she's really smart. Like it was Mm -hmm. a really good plan. It was just, again, Johnny Depp. Hopefully you get reincarnated as someone who can stay awake for five minutes. Insane. His murder is insane. I know. Like the bed eats him. And then I don't even know because like that whole room being covered in blood is just insane. Mm -hmm. What in the fuck even like happened with the mom? Like what in the fuck? The bed ate her and then it was just fine. Then it was just done. It was very similar to Johnny Depp's death, except without the blood geyser. 
Okay. So we're going to play a little game. Okay. Um, so imagine, sorry, that's a weird way to start it, but basically the end, the mm -hmm. very end, pretend there are no sequels. What do you think happens at the end? Honestly, I have never known. I remember the first time I watched it being like, I like turned to my father and I was like, dad, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, I don't, I, I have never known what that is. No, me neither. And I don't think you're necessarily supposed to, mm -hmm. but it's like, it goes from the idea that like, he's a dream demon and she can turn her back on him and take away his power. And then he, which I actually love as a way to mm -hmm. vanquish him. It's like bullying him to death. Yes. That's what I wrote. <laughs> but bullying him to death. Yes. And so just like ignoring him, you know, um, to stop those monsters. <laughs> Um, How many Treehouse of Horror episodes can we reference in this episode? <laughs> um, but it doesn't make sense that what doesn't make sense to me is the idea that she would have been able to reset everything, which is mm -hmm. what the end implies. Right. But it's even more dreamy. So she's clearly in a dream. But is it a real dream? Is it a Freddy dream? Is it you don't really know? I mean, I guess like my theories would be it didn't work. Mm -hmm. and he was just screwing with her or it worked, but in sort of a way where like, this isn't reality either, but it's mm -hmm. a world where everyone's alive and where her mother's going to get sober. And so it's almost like she's entered sort of a fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it becomes a nightmare. Right. I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I don't know. Like the idea that Freddie just never, went away and this was just her dream it's just like it seems weird in the context of how the story flows if like yes if it ended and she went to bed and then woke up and her family was there her mom was there and her friends were there I'd be like oh like Freddie really wasn't gone and this is a dream but mm -hmm. like it it's always felt very odd to me I've always wondered if there was like a missing scene or something right. but it's always been very odd to me especially since if you do want to bring the sequels in, it becomes more confusing because we know she's not dead. Right. So it, the end can't be that Freddie wasn't vanquished and then went after her because she's not dead. Mm -hmm. So no idea. No clue. Um, more movie thoughts? Nope. Okay, so I'm dead. Are you dead? The deadest. Deadest. I mean, there's a small chance Rachel and I could realize we're dreaming about the same guy and do the plan and then hope that whoever is up stays awake. I'd honestly rather go into the dream and bring him out and have the um, responsibility of staying awake be Rachel's. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, um, and I'll bring him out. You also would then have to hit him with a bat. I mean, I'll hit him yes. with a bat too when I get out, but you'll have to hit him with a bat. You know when I, I want to, you know, I want to hit him with a bat. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, we're like, and this is going into, apparently we're going we're gonna to talk about our dreams and stuff later, but I have very bad dream recall. So the chances of us figuring out that we're dreaming about the same guy are very, very slim because. Well, we can go into that right now. So I'm going to talk about sleep paralysis guys, and um, it's going to lead into Rachel's thing. But I also mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit. Don't worry. This isn't about me and Rachel describing our dreams. But it is. <laughs> So it, it was my house, but it wasn't really my house. And like, oh, this person there was there. Okay, I'm, I'm done with this bit. <laughs> okay, so as Rachel has just said, Rachel really doesn't recall her dreams very often and not in a ton of detail, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. 
And I am the exact opposite. I'm an extremely vivid dreamer. I'm an extremely lucid dreamer. I dream every night. It's multiple vignettes. I remember them. It's awesome. Um, but also goes with it is the fact that I have a lot of trouble sleeping. So I'm in, I'm basically live in REM a lot because I don't really hit deep sleep, which is why I do this. So it's fun, but it's also because I have some kind of like sleep issue. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been an extremely light sleeper. Mm -hmm. Um, I sleep with a mask on. I've never really been able to do anything about the noise because earplugs have always bothered me I think I have very very tiny ears on the inside so it's like they don't I don't know I also can't small and I also can't wear some headphones you also can feel them like I don't feel my eye mask like it's just like you Um, stop feeling them after a while I used earplugs at work there for a while because I was getting screamed at and everything Rachel's like and now I can't hear you children well, one of my supervisors was like, hey, do you want some earplugs? And I was like, yes. And it was very nice because I was not getting my eardrums damaged anymore. And then like later I would like, I would forget that I was wearing them. So like, you got to give you it some time. You can still hear something, can't you? You can hear, it's just muffled. Yeah, I've always found that to be almost more annoying. <laughs> like, it's like when you can hear a TV, but not enough to know what they're saying, but enough to almost hear what they're saying. That's the worst. I'm like, either got to turn it up or down because I either need to be able to, my brain isn't trying to figure out what they're saying, but (laughs) I'm very light sleeper. And so because of that, I dream very, very vividly. And remember my dreams, I dream in color and can usually, it's not like I can um, lucid dream them in the sense of what you'd see on TV where it's like, I know I'm dreaming and now I'm a movie star. It's more like I can actively make decisions and change things and be like, nope, don't like that one bit, like not going over there. Um, See, and like, because I'm on um, Lexapro now, like one of the side effects is more vivid dreams. So I, I do occasionally remember them and I get to the point where like, there are moments where I'm like, there's a part of my brain that's like, that's weird. But then I just move on. Or like, you know how if you're reading something, it'll change every time you look at it. I can feel myself in the dream getting frustrated because I'm like, wait, what did that say? And I go back to read it and it says something different. And I'm like, what is happening right now? I travel in most of my dreams, like legitimately like have to wait at the airport because my (laughs) dreams are that. Do you know how many dreams of mine take place partially waiting to check? Like- because I'm going somewhere, but I have to physically get there. So I have to go to the airport. I love that so much. Like even my subconscious can't even be like, we're going to start this off at the resort. <laughs> it's like, we have to travel there first, or I have to have a discussion with someone of how I got there. Like I'm very <laughs> concerned with how I got places. There's a in lot my of dreams. exposition in your dreams. There's a lot of exposition in my dreams. Um, <laughs> I'm just glad that I've, for the most part, stopped having the dreams where I'm driving and just drive up on the curb. (laughs) And it's not that anything gets hurt. It's just that I damage a lot of property. And then I'm like, how am I going to pay for all of this? (laughs) You see, it's not that interesting. It's not like when people are like, oh, you remember all your dreams. I'm like, yes, but like, why though? Like I could remember (laughs) other, I have a really good memory, but I'm still like, why though? The amount of times I have to, I dream that I'm in high school, but I don't know what my classes are. And I know the exam's coming up. And then I'm literally sitting there and I'm like, I have a master's degree. (laughs) Why am I here? 
and I can't like, and then I'm just like, I should leave. Like, why does this matter? I already did this. Why do I have to figure out which class is next or what we're take a math test? Um, but yeah, so we both have different relationships with dreams and stuff, but thankfully neither of us have experienced sleep paralysis. And I think at this point, the likelihood we will is very very small and I'll explain mm -hmm. why. So let's start off with just straight up. They don't know why it happens. They don't know how to treat it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to list a bunch of different things they tell you could cause them and a bunch of different things they tell you could treat it, but they don't really fucking know why right. it happens. They just know when it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, and they know like some characteristics of what is physically happening to you. And, and for people who don't know sleep paralysis, is when you are between conscious and unconscious. So the way they say it is you either are just waking up or just falling asleep and your body is paralyzed because your body does become paralyzed when you dream, when you enter realm. That's why you don't hurt yourself. Even it's if you also feel why like you you're don't, fighting. It's why you don't pee your pants when you have those dreams where you really have to pee. Yes. Um, which I'm sort of all over the place right now, but there is a name for it and it's in my notes somewhere. But basically what happens is your body and your mind haven't caught up yet. So your body's paralyzed the way that it would be in a dream, which is why you can't move. Um, but you are conscious. So your eyes are open and you can't speak, and, but you can hear and you can see. Mm -hmm. And depending on what you hear and see, and it depends what you can hear and see. A lot of people have full on hallucinations, both auditory and visual, which is, and you can't move and you can't let anyone know what's happening. And it's a living nightmare. Um, literally that's what it is. So about 8% of the general population have them. You have hallucinations. So a lot of times it comes along with the feeling of being suffocated, which we'll get to you, you either it's, it's connected to REM, but again, they don't really know. They're like, it's connected to REM because it's like dreams, but it's like your body isn't fully aware that you're awake yet or asleep yet. So it's like, you're both mm -hmm. like something has gone wrong. And a lot of scientists think that has to do with the amygdala that like something's gone mm -hmm. wrong with the chemicals it's giving off. And so you are stuck basically. So yes. And it's atonia is what they call the state where your body just completely paralyzes mm -hmm. you so that you don't hurt yourself or pee yourself or anything like that. Um, so it is meant to protect you, but right. in these stations, the wires get crossed. They call it a mixed state of consciousness. So 75% involve images that are um, not associated with normal dreams. So that's the thing. So if I all of a sudden woke up and I was in an airport, trying to get somewhere, I would be like, oh, this is one of my dreams. I dream about this all the time. Like, yeah, when does my flight land? This is a dream. <laughs> but it's that 75% of them, they're not things you ever see in dreams. So you aren't like, oh, this is a dream. So there are three main types. Um, intruder hallucinations, mm -hmm. which are that something or someone is in your room and something's there and that's obviously terrifying. Then there is the chest press pressure ones, or they call them the, um, incubi. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's basically that like, you feel like a creature. It usually is subhuman is choking or suffocating you and is on your chest. So you have yeah, that feeling of suffocation sitting on your chest. Yes. Just in some way is on you or doing something to you. Um, and then there's, um, motor hallucinations, which is you feel these always to me seal seem like they'd be the 
least distressing where they just feel, it feels like you're flying or feels like you're moving in some way. Mm -hmm. Like you feel like you're physically moving, which I'd prefer over either of the others I described. 90% of these dreams or these states are associated with fear. Mm -hmm. Only 10% are blissful. And we're going to get to it. I guess right now I just keep saying that, (laughs) but like basically a lot of times how people feel about sleep paralysis is cultural. Mm-hmm. So let's break that down a little bit. So in Canadian Inuit culture, they attribute it to spells being cast by shaman. Okay. Japanese folklore says it's vengeful spirits trying to suffocate their enemies. Okay. In Brazilian folklore, there's a demon that has a name. It's um, Pisadaria. Portuguese for she who steps and it's a crone with long nails who's trying to kill you. Okay. And then in Denmark, they're treated as completely benign. So people aren't like, there's nothing with them as far as fear. Whereas Mm -hmm. in Egypt, they have an overwhelming, historically an overwhelming sense of like dread and death. Like they're an omen of death. Mm -hmm. So there is this idea that how your culture perceives them is how you're going to feel like they said they did a study at one point and in Mexico and like most of the youth knew about what sleep paralysis was the and they sort of knew it based on the intruder Mm -hmm. and a lot of them had experienced it and so it's the idea that like it happens but if your culture doesn't talk about it you don't really know what's happening to you And if it's something where it's like, oh yeah, this happens and it's a demon trying to murder you, you're obviously more (laughs) terrified than if it's like, whatever, that's just something that happens. Like, you know, wake up, go to bed, you know? Um, So it can last for a few seconds Mm -hmm. or 20 minutes. Oof, that's too long. The average is six to seven minutes. And most people just wake up on their own. There's some people who say that like, you need to focus on your toes and focus on moving your toes and then it'll wake up the rest of your body. Mm -hmm. It can occur at any age, but it usually starts between seven and 25 years old. And then you start having them more frequently when you're in your twenties and thirties. Okay. So it would be very late onset if any of Mm -hmm. us were to get them. So the causes are unknown and they're associated with basically anything and everything Mm -hmm. bad, but I'm still going to do the list. Sleep (laughs) apnea having a hard time falling asleep, excessive daydreaming, your circadian rhythm not being aligned with the local day and night cycle, like from jet lag, Mm -hmm. anxiety disorders, PTSD, um, stopping drinking or starting or stopping antidepressants, um, and lucid dreams and um, vivid daydreams, which together we have a lot of the things on those lists, but we don't, we've skated past it. This, I just thought this was funny because like my sources were um, Nova from PBS, Healthline, and then the Sleep Foundation. Mm-hmm. And one of them was like, most of them aren't serious. Only 10% are really the kind where they're like, people are like scarred or in danger. And I'm like, 90% aren't serious to who? To you? <laughs> I'm like, I, I would consider this to be serious if it ever happened. Uh-huh. Is it only serious if I somehow physically, like, I don't know how you would because you're paralyzed, but I guess like maybe they consider them only serious if they are the ones that last longer. Can you imagine 20 minutes just thinking a demon sitting in a chair in your room? No, I really, really can't. At a certain point, it must almost be like, 
is he going to do something? Like, <laughs> it, it's been 20 minutes. Like that's an average, which means some people it's longer. And what if it just doesn't do anything? What if it's just there? Like you're afraid at first, but like if it was 20 minutes and all it did was sit there, wouldn't you sort of be like, okay, I guess we're friends now. Like, are you looking for someone else? Or are you just like waiting for something? Like, um, so the treatments are basically to clean up your sleep hygiene as mm -hmm. they call it. So it's all the kind of things they tell you to do if you don't sleep well, which is make right. sure you have a good mattress and pillow, um, set up a strict routine for your sleep, no screens or electronics for the first 30 minutes, for the 30 minutes before you fall asleep, at least, um, limiting alcohol and caffeine, um, but then there's also like CBT or um, therapy, which I just don't think therapy would help. Like, I think therapy would help most things, but this seems extremely biological. I mean, I think the therapy would probably be to teach you relaxation techniques so that when it does happen, you're not in such like physiological distress, physiological or emotional distress. Like, but I don't yeah, know how that's going to make so, it stop happening. Most people see a faceless, shapeless presence trying to suffocate them. Mm -hmm. um, some describe seeing a haggard figure with claws. Um, some people, um, it's old, it's dead relatives, which I hope the dead relatives aren't trying to suffocate them. So a lot of times it's distortion of things that are there. Like the mm -hmm. light of a clock will turn into a red eye. A pile of clothes on a chair will be a demon. Like it's that like normal things will morph into. Right. So it's not like you're not seeing anything. It's that you're not seeing what you think you're seeing. Right. In Turkey, it's a supernatural figure and it has a wide brimmed hat. And in order to stop it, you, you have, have to, to knock steal, the hat off, don't you? You have to steal the hat. <laughs> you have to steal his hat. I love that. So the nightmare is a painting. We'll post it on our Instagram from 1781. Um, Henry, I think it's Facili. And it's thought to depict, her, to depict what sleep paralysis feels like. It's like a demon in your room. Um, the nightmare, 1781. Oh, yeah. I know this painting. Yes. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'm going to say is that in 1876, it was like founded or discovered but then the very next sentences were like that was just the first time that someone with a psychology degree started <laughs> talking about it cultures have been talking about it. and i was yes. like i i don't care to listen to you anymore you didn't discover something in 1876 you just gave it a mainstream name but all these cultures knew what it was before you yes that's so. where the incubus and the succubus come from yes like, that's literally what they are is sleep paralysis like Every single culture has this um, mm. idea and like some sort of folklore associated with it, which dovetails very nicely into my story, which is the direct inspiration for this. My sources are some LA Times articles, a New York Times article, history.com and The Atlantic. Sometime in the late 1970s, the first article I found was from February 1981. They wrote like, there was just like this rash of men who were from the like the Hmong ethnic group in Laos who like were all living in the United States just dying in their sleep. Like they were all healthy, um, didn't have heart problems, but like basically at some point while they were asleep, their heart just stopped. And the name that we have for this now is sudden arrhythmic death syndrome, which just means it's kind of like SIDS in babies. It's like we have no idea what causes it. But all of a sudden, like while people are sleeping, they just die. 
But the story that they open with is um, Yong Leng Tao, who, like I said, was a Hmong refugee living in the United States. He just died in his sleep. He was 47 years old, totally healthy. At some point in the night, his wife woke up and noticed that he was struggling to breathe. And at a certain point, he just stopped breathing. And the coroner was like, you know, this is the ex- the second time in three days that this has happened. Same ethnic group and everything. Um, so he goes to some other coroners and finds that in the past nine months, there have been four total cases of this just in the Seattle area. I think this was in Seattle. Um, I didn't write that down. So this was 1981, February 1981. Since 1978, there have been 13 total deaths like this, and all of them were Laotian refugees. So by May of that year, the CDC starts to investigate this because it's now gone up to a total of 18, um, which means there are five more between February and May. 17 of them are men. There is one woman. Every single one of them is from the Hmong ethnic group, and almost all of them are refugees. They, they are finding some sort of cardiac arrhythmia, um, which just means your heart's not beating properly. Um, it's an arrhythmic beating, but they can't explain it. Um, and then by July of that year, we're up to 20 deaths. And it all sounds like not a whole lot, but this accounts for about half of the deaths of Hmong refugees in the United States in that time period. Um, like it's, yeah, so it's, it's only 20 people across several years, but it's not a huge subset of the population, you know? And again, this is all in less than one. Oh no, wait, this is 20 all in less than one year, which again, accounts for about half of all the deaths of this ethnic group. So this is the point where we back up and we get to the secret villain in this story. Meg, would you like to guess who the secret villain of this story is? Racism. Kind of. Um, capitalism. You're getting closer. Big Pharma. Nope, you're getting farther away. Um, it's not- do, you know, do you know where Laos is? You know I don't. You know it's- I'm bad at geography. You know I don't. Okay, okay. It's by Vietnam. Now do you want to guess who the secret, en- the secret villain is? Oh, it's, the, it's us. It's us. It's, it's, it's American imperialism. It's America. <laughs> so- the reason that we have, like, we don't, again, we don't have a ton of Laotian refugees, but many of the Laotians living in the United States are from the Hmong tribe because during the Vietnam War, first of all, Laos did get bombed while we were bombing Vietnam and Cambodia, but they were also trying to overthrow a communist government in Laos less publicly than they were in Vietnam. And the Hmong were a lot of the, were made up a big group of the local soldiers fighting with the United States. And in 1975, the communist regime won and then started exterminating, you know, the people who fought with the United States. So they fled the United States, many by way of Thailand and other countries, because you know how we are with refugees. We also did. Oh, another just a little statistic here. They died at 10 times the rate that U.S. soldiers did fighting Jesus that war. Christ. Yeah. So it something that like, I don't actually, I don't know a whole lot about, but I feel like we should know this, but we really disrupted the immigration patterns of how like they came over to the United States. We like split them up and sent them to like 53 different cities. Like, I mean, I don't know how much people generally know about how 
um, immigration works. But usually if there are a bunch of people from one specific area, they tend to settle in a similar area because you have like community. So, yes, community and someone who knows how to navigate the system who helps you move along. Like that's why there are Chinatowns in a lot of big cities because they all like they know people and they end up moving to the same place. But our immigration system disrupted that and sent them all across the United States, which then did lead to like a second migration. Um, so there are larger populations in Los Angeles, Seattle, Portland, and the St. Paul, Minneapolis area. So obviously they're trying to figure out what causes this. And again, to this day, we have no idea. But at the time they're like, oh, maybe stress is killing them, which like, I mean, yeah, it's probably a contributing factor. Being a refugee, I think is pretty stressful, but you can't measure it. There was an idea that it was like a lingering effect of all the nerve agents that got used during the yeah. war. But most coroners didn't think that was it because they're like, that's not really how nerve agents work. And we're not finding any traces of toxins in their system. So again, that, that trace that crosses off the other types of toxins they thought might be causing it. There might be some genetic factors. Like there does seem to be like this particular arrhythmia does seem to be more common in this ethnic group, but we can't figure out like why this arrhythmia causes some people to just suddenly die in their sleep. And that's where we get into the Atlantic article. Um, Shelly Adler is a PhD. She studies like medical anthropology. I don't know what like she's actually a professor of, but she did some research about this like back in 2011. And her hypothesis is that it's a combination of sleep paralysis, and then this genetic cardiac arrhythmia. So we discussed what sleep paralysis is. And I mentioned every culture has some folklore that goes along with it and like a monster kind of that goes along with it. Or I guess this one might not have a monster going along with it, but in this ethnic group um, among the Hmong, it's known as the Sog Tsuam, which I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I'm doing my best. Um, and they believe that this type of sleep paralysis is caused by like not worshiping properly or not properly honoring their ancestors. And basically when they're not worshiping properly, their, their ancestor spirits don't want to protect them. And there was a belief that because they all fled, they didn't really honor their ancestors correctly. And the kicker is that when you start having this kind of like sleep paralysis, you need a shaman to perform a ritual to kind of set everything right. And because I mentioned with this refugee pattern, this immigration pattern that we fucked up, it's very hard to find a shaman. So her argument is that the sleep paralysis um, and the beliefs surrounding the sleep, the sleep paralysis was killing them. And she goes into a lot of things like, it's actually called the nocebo effect, which is like the placebo effect, but it's like this idea that a, a bad thing is going to happen. So like basically, since they believe it can kill them, it does, which I thought was a really interesting argument. But at the end of the day, we don't know. And I, as far as I know, it's not like still happening. But yeah, this was the, the direct inspiration. Um, Wes Craven read a story. I think the uh, bit that I read said that he was describing the sleep paralysis of um a Cambodian refugee but then also all of these people dying in their sleep which 
I should mention, I didn't get into it as much. It wasn't just this specific ethnic group that just like suddenly died in their sleep. We saw it in a lot of Southeast Asian populations living in the United States. There's a whole bunch of research in Japan about it as well. Like it happens there too. So it happens like across racial and ethnic groups, but this specific story was the direct inspiration for A Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, from what I went over with sleep paralysis, they would hit a lot of the things that is said to believe mm-hmm. to cause it. Like their circadian rhythms are probably messed up depending on where they were put, mm-hmm. um, where they were sent to. They have PTSD. Mm-hmm. And then it's like I talked about how your culture sees them can be how you are influenced. Mm-hmm. They also, I, I didn't mention it. I just forgot. But a lot of people who have them from America, they see aliens. Of course, of course we do. So that that's what we see. And so like there is that cultural aspect. So um, scary stuff. I know, right? Still think Freddy's scarier. Yes. Because he's actively out to get you. Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay, guys. So this is it. This is the end of season two. And um, I'm going to say some things. The first thing I want to do is give... All of our love and thanks to Matt. Thanks, Matt. Because uh, Matt is amazing and we wouldn't be able to, if you've heard the sound quality go up this season, it's because of Matt. Because Matt's agreed to sit here while me and Rachel go on and on and just like, <laughs> just do this podcast, but also like talk beforehand and afterhand and all that. And it has really brought everything up for him to be recording it on his good stuff and he edits it. So he's amazing and you should check out his stuff which is linked it will be linked on this finale um and we just want to thank all of you for listening and for liking our instagram and our facebook post and reviewing and um giving stars or whatever mode you listen to the podcast and just for finding it because i know i've talked to a lot of people where like again because of the algorithms and stuff true horrors doesn't always come right up so you got to scroll a little and mm-hmm. i appreciate that you do that that y'all scroll to find us um rachel and i love to do this podcast it's been it was the first season was a lot more of a trial whereas now mm-hmm. i think we've got it down um but we love it and so i just wanted to say um thank you to all of you and you know please if you want to support us share some of our stuff onto your facebook let people know about it um because word of mouth is really what gets podcasts around and then if you have any suggestions anything you want to see or hear for season three um, go on our Facebook, go on our Instagram, let us know if there's a movie that you're like, oh, the two seasons are down and they haven't done this one. Let us know about it. Like we'd be happy to take those kind of requests. And, um, we just really appreciate all of you listening very much. That was, that was beautiful, Meg. Good work. Thank you. All <laughs> right. Well, this closes out season two, uh, for, for all of us here at true horrors. We thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.